Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. My wife and I are glad to be back. Uh, if you don't know, we were gone the last two Sundays uh, visiting family in Pennsylvania. A lot of people have been asking me, how was your vacation? And I'm like, well, I can't really call it a vacation. You can call it a family visit. When you're doing about 30 hours of highway time with four kids and you're constantly with people and family, it's beautiful, but it's not vacation. You guys tracking with me? Uh, we still loved it. Thank you for allowing us to do that. Uh, thank you to Heather Houlet, who preached a great sermon, CZ, who preached a great sermon, and Matt and Andy, who led worship. And then those that stepped up in kids' ministry for Jessica, and we were gone. Let's give them a hand, guys. They did a great job. Thank you. How, how are you guys enjoying the new look, like in the foyer, the paint, and the, isn't it beautiful? I'm loving it. We're, we're not done yet, uh, especially in here. We have, we have lights that are actually in the back that need to be installed up here. This is all going to be gone here soon. But I just want to say thank you to Bill Hardwick, uh, Randy Mace, Heather Houlet, Eric Black, and others on the team that have stepped up big time to do that. Let's give them a hand, guys. Thank you for your work. Thank you for taking care of us and serving us well. How many have been watching the Olympics recently? Any Olympic heads in here? It's really fun. One person. What, what? Come on. Who's, it's been so fun to watch. Who, who, who loves swimming the most? Anybody? Who's a gymnastics person? Anybody? Who's really cool? Track and field. Oh, man. All right. We're all kind of lame together. That really didn't work. But I've been watching it, and I've been enjoying it. We took home gold in the gymna- gymnastics for the all-around women. What was her name? Suni Lee did fantastic. Uh, the heat last night with uh, the women's 100-meter dash was thrilling, broke the Olympic record. I have a story I want to share from the 2000 Olympic Games, back when it was in Sydney, that my wife sent me this past week. Listen up for a second. Gymnast Elise Ray was a top contender at the 2000 Olympic Games until it came time to vault. She flipped at the wrong angle and crashed hard on the mat, nearly landing on her neck. I thought it was nerves, she said. I blamed myself. But as it turns out, it was not her fault. The vault had been set two inches too low. A staggering 17 other gymnasts also fumbled their way through the event. A gymnast from Spain nearly ran into the vault. Another gymnast from Brazil rebounded onto her head. Another hurt her ankle and had to be carried off the mat. And the top gold medal contender landed on her back. And as you know, this is very unusual for these elite athletes. The mishap is still one of the biggest mistakes in Olympic history. The vaulters spoke about how the error in measurement cast doubt on the entire competition and put them in serious danger. To address the mistake, Olympic officials allowed the gymnasts a redo, but by then, the error had already taken a toll. And note this, their confidence was shaken, so many gymnasts fell on their other events, and the medal contenders were no longer even in the running. The Olympics are all about accurate measurements and assessments. And I think our lives are also all about accurate measurements and assessments. Who are we? Who is God? How do we make sense of our circumstance and our reality? And sadly, I think there's a foundational measurement that we sometimes get wrong. And like these athletes, it can shake our confidence when we get this measurement wrong. It can shake our sense of security going forward. The mismeasurement is that we sometimes think God doesn't really answer prayer or more importantly, that he mostly has not answered our prayers. 
And that mismeasurement, that miscalculation can be devastating to your entire approach to life. Because I believe that God has answered more prayers than we realize, and this is really good news for us. And it can reshape our perspective and cause us to not be like those athletes who, because of that mismeasurement, failed at all the other events because it got in their head. If that measurement was fixed, they could land the vaults successfully and have the appropriate confidence and boldness going forward, understanding that we have a God who answers our prayer. And we're gonna look at Psalm 138 to better understand this. We're actually starting to land the plane on this series through the Psalms. We'll do a few more. We're of course not hitting every Psalm because there's 150 of them, but we've been in it for, I think about three months now, and we'll do a few more weeks. And we've just been prayerfully picking some of the Psalms. This is 138, and it's written by the primary author of most of the Psalms, King David. And it's really, David praising God for answering prayer. And I believe this psalm gives us insight into remembering that God has answered prayers, but also having the appropriate response to God from our hearts and from our lips for those answered prayer. Verse one says this, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. Gods is in quotation, because as you know, there are many competing lowercase gods in our world. Things like money, success, security, self, other people. And it's almost like there's this vast arena with all these competing lowercase gods, but there is also this one true God. And David is saying, hold on a second. I'm gonna give all of my wholehearted praise to the one true God. And that's first in your notes. Give wholehearted praise to the one true God. It's kind of like saying, I'm not gonna give credit for the blessings in my life to these false gods. I'm gonna give credit to the only one that has led to these good things in my life. Because when we give credit to false gods, they are like idols in our life. These false gods become idols or counterfeit gods, as this one author, Tim Keller, uh, calls them counterfeit gods. And he's gonna help us look at this uh, with kind of a long quote, but it'll be on screen. You can track with me as you read. The incomplete joys of this world will never satisfy the human heart. Anything can serve as a counterfeit God, especially the very best things in life. Counterfeit gods come when sin in our hearts affects our basic motivational drives. Some people are strongly motivated by influence and power, while others are motivated by approval or appreciation. Some want emotional and physical comfort more than anything else. Others want security and the control of their environment. People with a deep idol of power do not mind being unpopular to gain influence. People who are most motivated by approval are the opposite. They'll gladly lose power and control as long as everyone thinks well of them. Each deep idol, power, approval, comfort, or control generates a different set of fears and hopes. Surface idols are the things like money, spouse, children, through which our deep idols seek fulfillment. We're often superficial in the analysis of our idol structures. For example, money can be a surface idol that serves to satisfy more foundational influences. Some people want lots of money as a way to control their world and their life. And such people usually don't spend much money and they live very modestly. They keep it all safe and saved and invested so they can feel completely safe in the world. So that's the idol of control. Others want money for access to social circles and to make themselves beautiful and attractive. These people do spend their money, but it's on themselves in lavish ways. Other people want money because it gives them so much power over others. In every case, money, in this case, functions as an idol 
And yet, because of various deep idols, it results in very different patterns of, be, of behavior. He's basically just articulating that there are these deep idols that sometimes we're giving all this credit to, and there's these surface idols that we tend to think they're driven by, like money. The person using money to serve a deep idol of control will often feel superior to others and use money to obtain power or social approval. In every case, however, money idolatry slaves and distorts lives. That's why, for instance, it's really good to heed what God says through his word to us about money. Because it's not like, obviously, like televangelists and churches have taken advantage of collecting money from people tons of times. There's tons of cynicism about that in the culture, which I get and understand. By the same token, though, what God says to you about money is much more about your own discipleship than it is about supporting a church or supporting a ministry. Because if money becomes an idol to you and is covering up some of those surface idols, it you become captive to that idol. You were saying, I'm giving credit for all of these good things in my life. And if, you might not like bow down and worship it, but by your actions and your thoughts and even what you worry about, you can be saying, this is my idol because this is my safety. You can be saying, this is my God because this is how I feel a sense of comfort. Money can easily be that, and it could be fulfilling those deeper desires. And money and those deeper desires, that's just one example of the many things that we could be sadly giving credit to for God's blessing in our lives. So I think the first part of just starting to get in the mindset of how many prayers God has answered in your life is saying, wait a second, God is responsible for every good gift in my life. I've seen people gradually come into money, and you can walk the, watch the two trajectories. Either they think it's because of them, and they deserve all the praise for it, that's the idolatry side, or they continue to stay humble before the living God, and they thank him for giving them the ability to generate income, and they continue to trust him and say, this all belongs to you anyway, Lord. The people that think it's about them, guess what? A lot of times, the more money they have, the more they're held captive by it. Have you ever seen that? Or maybe you've experienced that. You think that the next 100,000 or the next 10,000 or the next 1,000 is going to make you feel like a warm blanket of safety. But in fact, you just feel fear that you're going to lose it, and now you need to maintain it. Whereas the person who can come into it and keep trusting God and keep saying, it is only the Lord who's given me this ability will remain at peace and is not held captive by that idol. Are you tracking with me? Same goes for so many things in life. And let's just start by reflecting on our history and saying, God, you are the one who has answered all these prayers. You are the one who've provided. You are the one who've put breath in my lungs. You are the one who's pumping blood through my veins by the miracle of my heartbeat. It would be as, as foolish as saying, I am so self-made, watch me beat my heart. Look how great I am. You guys are awesome. You're all beating your heart right now. No, no, no. It's all a miracle of God. You tracking with me on that? He is answering our prayers with every heartbeat. He's answering our prayers with every breath. Give wholehearted praise to the one true God. Recognize he's your only true satisfaction, significance, and security. That leads you to do what David did next in verse two. I will bow down. That's that humility. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. For you have so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. And I love this in verse three. When I called, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. When you feel like God is answering your prayers, it's like having that measurement right on the vault and you're emboldened. You've got the fire again. You're filled with faith. You're filled with hope. When I jumped, he caught me. 
When I called, he answered. Kids demonstrate this wonderfully. And I, 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 I try to look out for grandparents sometimes by teaching little kids, hey, you can't just jump on your Mimi and your Papa when they don't know it's coming, right? Kids will take like full speed couch run, dive bomb onto their 70-year-old Mimi because they're trusting the unfailing love of their Mimi or their grandma. And I love that about kids. And my, my own kids, as they get bigger, they, I mean, I've been in conversations with some of you guys before after a service, and one of mine will run up behind me and jump on me because they trust the unfailing love of their father, but they'll almost knock me out and hurt the person I'm talking to. In fact, Kenzie, my second oldest, it's like a tradition now. Every time she gets to church, she is like a rocket to find wherever I am. I can hear her running up the stairs if I'm up in my office. Wherever she is, she's going to find me. As soon as she sees me, she's going to run as fast as she can. She's going to yell, and she's going to dive on me. And she's almost nine years old now, and she's not a little tiny girl, and i got to brace myself and be ready because I want her to be able to trust the unfailing love of her father. And it's a beautiful picture of what we are saying along with the psalmist when we say, I'll praise you because of your unfailing love. You answer my prayers. That's it. Like Kenzie's saying, Dad, I know you're going to answer me. I'm going to jump on you. In fact, this morning, uh, Kenzie and Novi are still up in Pennsylvania. They stayed for a camp uh, for an extra week. So I actually have to drive back tomorrow morning, at least halfway, pick them up, and then I'll be back. But as I was going over my notes this morning, I I heard from my my mother-in-law, who the two older girls are with, And she said, Kenzie just has to talk to you. And I immediately smiled so much because I realized, oh my goodness, she won't even let the distance get in the way. And she just had to talk to me as if she was running into my office to dive bomb bomb on me. And she knows I'm gonna answer her call. And that emboldens her. That's why it's so damaging uh, when little kids lose the faithfulness of a parent, right? When they don't have a sense that that parent is on the call. Sometimes it's tragedy, sometimes it's failure of parent, sometimes it's things beyond our control. So it's not to make anyone feel guilty or bad, but you guys know kids need this sense of unfailing love. And I want you to be reminded you were created for needing the sense of unfailing love. So don't resist it, lean into it and understand he is the one who loves you in an unfailing way and always answers your prayers. What David's doing here, number two in your notes, declare your posture of humility before the God who answers. David's saying, I bow down to the one who hears my call, answers, and emboldens me. And I like how it says, rather I should say this way, I like how it does not specify that the answer to the prayer is always yes. What we really want and need from the Lord is just a sense that he's with us, not necessarily a yes to everything we want. Sometimes the no's are as much of God's grace and miracle in our life as the yeses. Have you experienced that? So it's not as much about this guaranteed yes all the time from the Lord, but it's this guaranteed sense of I'm with you, my beloved daughter, my beloved son. And that answer alone, when you start to build the confidence that that answer is there and get that measurement right, guess what? You're emboldened because you understand you're not alone. Then he goes on to pray in verse four, may all the kings of the earth praise you, Lord, when they hear what you have decreed. May they sing of the ways of the Lord for the glory of the Lord is great. Number three, pray for the world to praise the one true God. There's this quote Uh, from John Piper that I heard about 15 years ago that I didn't understand when I first heard it. Now it's one of my favorites. He said, missions exists because worship doesn't. 
And that really struck me strange the first time I heard it, and it took me sitting with it for a while. But if you really think about it, the reason we have a mission on the earth is because worship doesn't exist for much of the world. That is worship of the one true God. The ultimate goal of missions is that someone that does not know him yet would come to know him so that they would become one that praises the one true God and worships the one true God. So missions exist because worship doesn't. And I love how in the middle of this psalm of praise from King David, he stops to intercede and pray for the kings of the earth. He's saying, may the kings of the earth praise you. And then he articulates, may they sing of your ways. You learn his ways when you get to know him. So, so we pray for Biden and Harris, just like we prayed for Trump and Pence. May they praise the one true God. It's not up to me to be the judge of whether they do or don't. I have no idea, but I can pray. May they praise the one true God and may they sing of the ways of the Lord. And may that affect how they govern, how they lead, how they make decisions. And not just them, the leaders of our world, the leaders of our own city, of our own communities. It's, it's like in the midst of realizing we're in all this answered prayer, our heart bubbles over beyond just ourselves and we pray for our world. Pray for the world to praise the one true God. And then he says in verse six, though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. Number four, give thanks in awestruck wonder for the kindness of God. Look at verse six again. Though the Lord is exalted. Have you ever, have you ever tried to come to God in prayer and you just feel like, how would this God, the creator of all, the one who has the whole world on his plate, the whole future in his hands, all of history on his mind, with all the suffering and pain and problems, how could this exalted one possibly hear me or see me or care? Yet we have this divine mystery in scripture that he is this incredibly powerful, exalted Lord. But then if you look at that verse six, he looks kindly on the lowly. And David is identifying himself here with the lowly in verse seven. Though I, the lowly, walk in the midst of trouble, the Lord looks kindly on me. And that's a great thing to realize in the midst of trouble because that in and of itself is an answered prayer. When you walk in the midst of trouble, you, the lowly, can say, Lord, thank you. I am in awe that you, the king of all kings, would look kindly on me, the kindness of God. And that's what leads us to repentance because it emboldens us. The kindness leads us to repentance. So we need not fear, you know, kind of the cosmic cop that's always trying to just catch us in our wrong. That's not the heart of God. Yes, he cares about you leaving sin because it destroys you, but he's not the cosmic cop just trying to catch you. He's also not like the super angry dad, just so disappointed and frustrated constantly with everything about you. We get these images. He is the exalted God who looks kindly on the lowly. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And that's why scripture over and over says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So if anything today, line yourself up with the lowly. The lowly 
One of the things they have in common is they say, all the goodness in my life is a gift. In other words, all the goodness in my life is an answered prayer. And this perspective changes everything. It's the first Sunday of the month, as I mentioned earlier today. One of the things I think about the first day of every month is this sense of gratitude that I want to live with. And this idea that may I not let what I don't have stop me from being thankful for what I do have. Because we do that all the time. We live so focused on what we think we're missing. Again, it's a mismeasurement that we also mismeasure the character of our God and think, you're not even answering my prayers. When in fact, he's answering so many prayers. He's being so faithful. He is so trustworthy. He is so holy. He is so other than us in his perfection that we can completely trust how he is answering our prayers. Even when that answer is just, I'm with you. Sometimes wanting clarity about a situation, meaning knowing exact, we want to know exactly what to do sometimes so that we don't need God anymore. And when that's the case, it's like an idol of our heart. So he doesn't always give us perfect clarity about our life. And that's okay because we trust him. It's still an answered prayer. Are you tracking with me on that? He's kind to us, the lowly. Then the last verse, the Lord will vindicate me. Another translation says, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. That very last line, again, speaks prophetically to what's gonna be fulfilled only through Christ. The Old Testament, the first 39 books of the Bible, it can be called the Old Covenant as well. And it's chock full of prophecies and things like this Psalm that prophetically point to what would ultimately be completely fulfilled through Christ, the perfectly clear revelation of the living God. If you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. He is what God is like. He is the revelation of God. So the, the, the scripture is a progressive revelation of God from old covenant to new covenant or new testament. We are now in the age of grace. And this is just orthodox theology 101. And by, by the psalmist David saying, do not abandon the works of your hands, the works of your hands being me, us, people. He, he is our creator. He is like the great artist who fashioned us out of clay. And through Christ, we have this promise that even though we may feel abandoned at times, we are never abandoned because of Jesus Christ. This is what the gospel says. Jesus, when he was wrestling with the cross and what he did on our behalf said, my father, why have you forsaken me? In other words, father, why have you abandoned me? So the gospel says that Jesus was abandoned. Jesus was forsaken temporarily so that you would never be abandoned and never be forsaken. And the way we're landing it today is just on this declaration, through Christ, God is forever with you, the work of his hands. Talk about an answered prayer. By his grace, he answered the most foundational need and prayer of our lives, salvation, redemption, newness. Have you ever felt that feeling of, oh my goodness, I just need a fresh start? Anybody? Show me your hand. How many have ever said, my goodness, I just need a savior. I need something, I need help. That's a good thing to pray. And guess what? 
God has answered that prayer. Before the foundations of the earth, he answered that prayer. He is the sovereign God who knew what would happen when he created mankind with free will. He knows what will happen. There is darkness because there's free will. There has to be free will for there to be love. And I believe in this beautiful divine mystery. He's the God who knows all, but I don't think he controls everything about our lives, yet he knows everything we're gonna do. I don't fully understand it, nor should I. He's God, I'm not. We don't have to worry about it. But what we can say is, my goodness, God chose before the foundations of the world the plan that he would break into human history in the form of a man, Jesus Christ, and answer your most foundational prayer. He answers prayers more than you realize. We are living in a, a, a symphony of answered prayer. If only we would tune our ear to the symphony. I'm gonna ask the band to come back up. We're gonna close with communion and everyone is welcome to partake communion, but I want you to know if you choose to partake with us, what you're saying is I'm a follower of Jesus. So if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, please partake, but this is you saying, I wanna follow Jesus. If anyone needs the cup, if you don't have one yet, raise your hand and someone from our team will bring it to you. I don't see any hands going up. Um, This is what we do to remember how God answered that most foundational prayer in our lives. And before we actually take it, I just wanna give you a homework assignment. I want you to do what I did this week in preparation for this sermon. Sit down and just get in the context of prayer. This is you're just talking to God, you're hearing him, you're speaking to him. Get a piece of paper or a journal if you're someone who likes to write things down and just set the agenda that you want to think about how many answered prayers you're currently living in. Just think about it. And every good thing in your life, it could be prayers that you actually prayed or prayers that you didn't even know to pray or things that are God-given limits on your life that are like no's in prayer that actually turned out to be a really good thing. I was thinking about it this week. One of the first prayers I prayed was as a 12-year-old kid because I was so drawn to the story of Peter walking on the water. And I basically just said, I, I wanna walk on the water. Isn't that awesome? I wanna, I wanna walk on the water. Jesus, call to me like Peter. I, I remember praying that as a 12-year-old. And my entire life has been living by faith. My entire life, God continually calls my, me before I met my wife and now my wife and I together to living in this style where we are taking steps without knowing what we are stepping on. You know what that's called? Walking on water. I believe he answered that prayer. And I'm, I continue to live in that answer prayer. And guess what? How silly would it be for me to say, God, I'm so frustrated. I, I wish I had a more secure footing right now. I wish I could just see everything perfectly clear. I'd be praying a different prayer than what he was already answering. He said, didn't you want to walk on the water? Yes, I do. Stick with it. I remember as a 17-year-old praying, God, if this is all true, church, Jesus, the cross, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I want to know. How many of you ever prayed that prayer? I call it the prayer of an honest seeker. You're just not sure. Some of you are praying it right now. What a beautiful prayer to pray. Keep praying that. And I guarantee you, God will answer that prayer. You will find him when you seek him with all your heart. Guaranteed, exclamation point. And God, that's when I was 17. He's been answering that prayer in my life for more than 20 years since then. I'm living in a wave of answered prayer of God revealing himself to me. Answered prayer. The more I fix the measurement on the vault and I realize, wait a second, even though that prayer was over 20 years ago, That's still an answered prayer I'm living in. I'm emboldened. You tracking with me? I remember praying for a wife. 
goodness, I, I feel like I see new layers of that answered prayer through my wife, Jessica, every, every year we live together. We're, we're coming up on 15 years. And there's so many things in her that are just an answer to prayer. Even practical things. We once prayed for a van. No one knew. And then we got given a van. I remember coming to Nashville three and a half years ago, not knowing a person in the city. And we prayed, God, somehow open doors in this new place for us. We have no idea. We need a team. We need space. We need facility. We need, we need, we need, we need. And goodness, you guys are all answers to that prayer in my life. I bet you sitting here is answers to prayer in your own life. I bet who you're sitting next to, they might be more of an answer to prayer for you than you even realize. We're in a symphony of answered prayer. Let's just bow in his presence for a moment. Bow your heart, close your eyes. Let's reflect on the prayers he has answered and give our wholehearted praise to the one true God. Let's stop taking glory and praise away from God and giving it to man-made things. Everything we have that's good is from him. And then may we be emboldened by the God who answers prayer. God, we thank you for what we're about to celebrate through communion. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for redemption, for righteousness. We thank you for healing and wholeness and help in times of trouble. You look kindly on us. We thank you for provision when we were in need. We thank you for breath in our lungs and blood in our veins. We thank you for mercy when we're guilty. We thank you for grace when we don't deserve it. We're thankful for hope deep in our soul. We're thankful for truth deep in our mind. We're even thankful for the things that we're not fully walking in yet. You might feel like you're still struggling with anxiety or discouragement or depression. Let's just say, God, thank you for freedom from anxiety. Let's pray it by faith. Thank you for freedom from discouragement. Thank you for freedom from oppression in my life. You are the God who answers prayer. Thank you for relationships. Thank you for the person I'm sitting next to right now or the person I'm thinking about right now, whoever I'm gonna see tomorrow. Thank you for work. Thank you for resources. Thank you for love. People that actually care about me. Let's take off the top layer of the uh, communion cup. The bread is on the top. In 1 Corinthians 11, Jesus was sitting with his disciples. When he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Lord, as we hold this bread, we, we obey your command. We take this communion today over 2,000 years later in the presence of the living God as the body of Christ filled with the Holy Spirit, all because of what you did on the cross for us. Thank you that you were broken so that we could be whole. In Jesus' name, let's eat together. And then in verse 25 of 1 Corinthians 11, Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord, we thank you that you answered the prayer for our salvation and for our redemption before we even knew we needed it. Before, in fact, we were even born into this world, you made a way before the foundations of the earth for this great salvation. You made a way for the forgiveness of our sins. Your love and mercy and grace as shown in the cross is so powerful that it washes us completely clean. Right now, we receive it again. Church, let's just remind ourselves, we are clean, white as snow, fresh start. Thank you for your blood that was shed for us. Let's drink together, church. As we worship, let's stand. We're going to sing this song, You're Worthy of It All. The team's going to lead us. Let's sing it out. Right before we close, God would love to just shift 
the way some of you see yourselves. Some of you may see yourselves like an Olympic gymnast that just falls on the vault every time. Like your mindset of yourself as you run towards the vault, you might get up in the air, maybe you'll just run into it and bang your head. You'll mess up the flip, you'll be embarrassed. It's just what you do in life. You just, you can't do it. You can't get it right, basically a failure. And I just believe God wants to shift that in your life. And with, with this shift in measurement, seeing that God is with you more than you realize, seeing that God has been faithful in your life more than you realize, I believe he wants you to have a vision of yourself as an Olympic champion, <laughs> killing it on the vault. I don't know what the moves are called. All I can think of is triple bypass, that's not right. Like flip, like double over the greatest vault ever. It's not bypass, it's, I don't know what it's called. Land it, stick the landing up. I don't even know what the top score is. 16 out of 16. Because of Christ. Not because you're awesome, but because God's hand is on your life. You're his beloved. So Lord, I pray you'll do that. Shift our vision, even of ourselves. Help us to step into what you've given us, how you've created us, how you've made a way for us. In Jesus' name. I'm gonna pray this benediction over you, church, and we'll be dismissed. May God rejoice over you with gladness. May Christ Jesus renew you in his love. And may the Holy Spirit give you peace beyond understanding to guard your hearts and minds in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys very much. Stop at the welcome table on your way out. Meet someone that you don't know. See you next week.